Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Good morning, Summit Church. How are we doing today? It is so good to see you. I have missed you guys. It is great to see you back. Thanks for being here with us today. If you are a guest with us, we're so glad you're here. Hope you make yourself at home. And I, I wanna welcome all of you that are watching online as well, no matter where you may be or how you may be joining us. Thanks so much for being a part of what God is doing here at Summit Church. And for those of you that uh, just weren't quite ready to come back yet, we totally understand. And uh, we love you and we're ready to see you too, but we want you to be safe. So feel free to take your time. There's no pressure. But for those of you that are here, uh, we're so glad you're here. Thank you for worshiping with us. Thank you for being here. If you've missed us half as much as I have missed you guys, you guys couldn't wait to get back, I'm sure. I couldn't wait to see you. Um, want to remind you about one thing, guys, growth track. It, it usually happens during our church services. For right now, it's going to continue to be online. And so this is a beautiful thing. You can binge watch growth track. You know you've binge watched your favorite ch- show. So you can binge watch growth track, get it all done, and uh, jump in and find your place here at Summit. So here's one of the reasons why that's important. Because during, uh, during this season, there are some of our folks that are part of our dream team who have said, hey, for health concerns, uh, we need to step away from serving for a little while. And so there are some holes in our team that we need to fill to, to continue to, uh, to work at a high level and to minister at a high level. And so there are some real opportunities for you right now to step into some of those roles. And I know in a church like ours, it's easy to think they don't need any help. They've got all their bases covered. Uh, but there is a place for you. So find your place. Uh, you can find Growth Track on our website at summitpa.church and uh, get connected to that. Start going through that and just see what God does in your life. I uh, also want to let you know, those of you here in the room at the end of the worship experience, I will dismiss the online audience, and so I'll close out. And when I do, I need you guys just to stay in your seats for a moment after we dismiss, and then uh, we'll give instructions on what that looks like then. So if you would, just be patient with us for a minute. You, were, you couldn't wait to get here this weekend. Don't be too anxious to leave, but give us a minute at the end before you take off. Uh, a couple things uh, that I want to tell you about. One is this last Thursday night, we had our Blairsville town hall meeting. And what I realized in hindsight is that was terribly confusing because some people thought we were actually gonna be at the town hall in Blairsville. And um, we were not, we were here. But, um, but what we did is we just walked through our vision for Blairsville, what God has done, uh, steps, what our budget is, what the finances look like. We talked about the timelines, we showed floor plans, all that stuff. And so even if you're not interested in being a part of that, I would encourage you to watch it because it's gonna help you understand where we are as a church better and what we have planned for the future. Uh, Because we feel like this is the beginning of something for us and we feel like uh, we will be looking at other places that we're gonna end up going at some point. And so maybe some of you are driving from some different areas that, that you might be part of something like this for us someday down the road. But I would love for you to go back and watch that. Uh, for those of you that are watching online right now, our hosts, I believe, are gonna put a link in the comments section for you to watch if you'd like uh, to watch that later. And uh, we'll be posting it on social media. But really exciting night. Lots of, uh, man, there were some tears. There was some just laughter. And so I'm excited about what's coming up with Blairsville. Uh, and I'll be talking more about that on a weekend before too long. I uh, also wanna let you know, I mentioned a few weeks ago that we're part 
partnering with a nonprofit called RIP Medical Debt. And what RIP Medical Debt does is they purchase the medical debt of people that they would call, it's bad debt is what it is because in, in the industry, they call it bad debt because there's a low likelihood that it'll ever be paid off. And so they can acquire that at a very low rate. And what they do is they partner with people like us, like our church or other organizations to pay that debt off. And it's specifically for people who make half of what the uh, federal poverty level is. So if they are at 50% of the federal poverty level, they qualify to have their debt eradicated through RIP medical debt. And so what we've done is we've reached out and said, hey, we're interested. And so I wanna let you know, we're inviting you to be a part of this. But uh, over the next few weeks, we as a church are gonna pay off almost $1.2 million worth of medical debt for people all over Southwestern Pennsylvania. So literally, um, It'll be Clearfield and Jefferson and counties all the way down to the state line, all the way west. Uh, the only counties that are left out are Allegheny and Butler County, and that's just because somebody else had claimed those. We've got 14 counties that we're gonna be helping eradicate medical debt for people that are high risk and high need, because some of these folks have probably been laid off. Their unemployment's run out. Um, their, their, uh, stimulus uh, their stimulus bill or check has been spent, and so they're, they're stuck, and they're in a place they may never pay off their debt, and we have an opportunity to come alongside them. Now, the reason this is important is you might be going, I don't have $1.2 million. That's great. Neither do I. But, but because they can get the debt at a, such a low rate, we can pay off the debt, $100 worth of debt for $1. So if you are bad at math, we'll be able to pay off $1.2 million worth of debt for about $12,000. So we as a church have said we're committed to do this and we would love for you to help. And anything above 12,000 we raise, it's gonna be dispersed throughout the state of Pennsylvania to help eradicate medical debt throughout our state. So uh, you'll be seeing more about that as well. And I would love for you to pray about it and just say, maybe we give $10, maybe we give 100 or 1,000, whatever the number is that God lays on your heart, do it because we're helping people that we may never see. So here's one of the cool things too. A friend of mine, a couple friends of mine, they've done this at their church and that's how I heard about it. But one of the cool things that happens is uh, they will get a letter after their debt has been paid off and it'll say, hey, the whatever $5,000 you had of medical debt has been paid off by Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. And they'll get a, get a letter letting them know their debt has been paid. And, and I just want you to know there's something deeply spiritual about this to me because I think back to the debt that I had that I could never pay, the debt of sin, that Christ willingly paid my debt. He took the, 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 the death that, deserved, uh, that I deserved, he died that death on the cross, he paid my debt, and I get the benefit of it today. I didn't deserve it, I didn't earn it, but Christ did it for me. So I wanna invite you guys to do this and just tell the gospel story to some people through paying off their debt. So help us with that, we'd love for you to be a part. Uh, today, we're starting a series called uh, Welcome Home. And we have put this series together specifically for this season uh, because we're excited about you being home. Welcome home. Welcome back to Summit Church. Uh, we're glad you are here. And, uh, and really, it's not just welcome back to church, but it's welcome to, to God's house. This is God's house. And in God's house, things look a certain way. And we've got to act a certain, we've got to think a certain way. And so what does that look like for us? What does that mean for us? 
And, uh, and so that's what we'll be talking about over the next few weeks. Uh, the kind of grid work for this series is laid in Genesis chapter 28. There's a guy named Jacob. He was a shyster. He was a swindler. He was a con man. He, he, he ripped his brother off and his brother wanted to kill him. He, he, he tricked his dad and he was on the run. He left home. And uh, he was in the middle of the wilderness. He was in the desert one night. He took a rock, he lays it down. He lays his head on the rock, he goes to sleep. And that night he has this crazy dream. And in the dream, he can see this ladder that's stretching to heaven. And he sees the angels coming and going up and down this ladder. And on top of the ladder, above the ladder, he sees the Lord. And the Lord says this in Genesis 28, 13. He says to Jacob, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So he reaffirms the covenant that he made with Abraham and his grandfather. He says, I'm reaffirming this covenant with you. This is not just Abraham's covenant. It's yours as well. So he reaffirms this to him. And then he goes on to say, behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Now remember, Jacob was not a good guy. He wasn't even a moral guy. He wasn't walking with the Lord at this time, but God reveals himself to Jacob and Jacob wakes up in verse 16. He, awakened, he awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. So in his immaturity, he had never really experienced the spirit of God before, the, an encounter with God like this and he was shocked, he was taken aback. And so he said, surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't realize it. Have you ever had a moment like that before where, where maybe you went through something and in hindsight you could see that God was with you, but in the moment it didn't feel like God was with you at all? You felt like you were all alone? You felt like God had abandoned you and forgotten you? But then on the other side of it you go, oh, yeah, God was with me that whole time. I have. I've experienced that a number of times. Maybe you've experienced that through quarantine or through a layoff or maybe a lost job or lost income. And you feel like, God, where are you? But I, I feel like for those of us that are believers, there's a season where we're gonna look back and go, man, he was with me the whole time. But for Jacob, someone who wasn't walking with God, he had never really experienced that. So in his immaturity, he said, man, I've experienced God here. This must be where God lives because I've never experienced him before. But, but this is the house of God. And, uh, and it's interesting because if, as you mature in your faith, you understand we can meet God anywhere. But I believe that God meets with us in certain places and times and seasons when we're, more, when we're more receptive to that, when we're more aware of that. And I think sometimes coming into a church like this, we're more aware of it. Not that God is more real here than he is at your home or in your bedroom or wherever it might be, but we're just more receptive. That's why this morning, could you feel the presence of God during worship this morning? Like you could feel like, man, God is here today. And I think part of it is just we're receptive. We're, we're excited about being together and worshiping together. Even in the, the first worship experience this morning, uh, man, it was electric in this place and people worshiping. Even though we've got a lot fewer people than we normally have in these services, people were expecting. And so Jacob just says, this must be where God lives if I'm experiencing him here. And, uh, and this is something I've told my wife, we've talked about lately over the last few months, is I really want Summit Church to be known as a place where people can meet God. 
Now, again, you can meet God anywhere, but I want people to know when you walk through the doors of this place, you're gonna have an encounter with God that can change your life. You, you can meet with the God of the universe here. He is going to meet you here. He's gonna meet you where you're at, in your need, in your, in your loss, in your heartache, in your shortcomings, all that stuff. Meet God here. So we'll talk more about that at some point, but, but I love this part, that he met God. He had this encounter. And in verse 18, it says, so early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had under his head and he set it up for a pillar and he poured oil on top of it. So he anoints this pillar as a memorial and he called the name of the place Bethel. So he calls this place Bethel, which means house of God. Um, now the word Bethel is a Hebrew word. We have, have anglicized or English uh, anglicized it, made it an English word. But what we've done is we take this compound word, El means God, and uh, the first part of that word, is, the Hebrew is bayit. And bayit means, uh, it means home or house, uh, dwelling place, building. And really when you get down to it, it can be any building for that matter. Because what we see in the Hebrew and what we see in the Greek are similar for the words for home and house. Um, what happens in a building defines the building. So a tent could be a house or a home, but it has nothing to do with the structure. It has everything to do with what happens inside. So what happens in a building defines the building. Um, how do you know a funeral home is a funeral home? Anybody, you can shout it out. You have funerals there, that's right, right? They've got caskets. There may be a dead body in there somewhere, right? So that's how you know that's a funeral home. Uh, how do you know a coffee shop is a coffee shop? They got coffee. They're serving coffee. And it, it, how do you know commonplace is commonplace? Because all of our staff is working there every day. <laughs> if you ever are looking for our staff, stop by commonplace. You'll probably find them there. Right? Because they have coffee there. Let's take it to the other end of the spectrum. Why do they call a crack house a crack house? I'm assuming that's where you buy crack. I've never bought crack myself. I don't know if they've got some sort of like punch card where like the, the sixth one's free, like a sub sandwich at Subway or something. <laughs> like, excuse me, they forgot to punch my card last time. Can, can you double it? No, you won't. Okay, no problem, no problem. <laughs> so I don't know what that looks like, but I do know when they call it a crack house, it's probably because that's where you buy crack, right? There's probably some bad things happening in the house. Uh, we bought a couple of buildings in Blairsville that we're gonna turn into churches. One of those buildings is a bank. If you go in that building, it still looks like a bank. It smells like a bank. Uh, when we have worship in the auditorium, it's gonna be really cool. There's a gigantic vault that's gonna be in our auditorium during worship. And uh, we're not gonna make it weird. It's like, bring your money into the vault and you're just bringing your offering. We're not gonna do that. <laughs> but it looks like a bank. But do you know what? It doesn't make any difference what it looks like. What, what matters is what's going to happen there. And what matters is that there are gonna be people who are far from God who come to know Jesus in that place. There are gonna be people who, who maybe drive by now and they go, oh yeah, that used to be a bank. But someday people are gonna drive by there and go, hey, that's where I met Jesus. Hey, that's where my life was changed. Hey, that building right there, uh, that's where my marriage was reconciled. That's where my kids came to know Christ. That's where everything changed for me. Because it doesn't matter what the building is it matters what happens inside it. What happens in a building defines a building. And we see this in our world, but we see this is true in our lives as well. And so what happens in this building is family comes together. In the house of God, family comes together. 
Now, there's two kinds of family. There's family of birth and family of choice. Family of birth is defined by blood and name. So next week, uh, my girls and I, we're gonna go to uh, Davis, Oklahoma to go to the Massingale family reunion. And I haven't been to the Massingale family reunion in years because we've been living here in Pennsylvania. And we're gonna head down there and we're gonna spend time with all these people who are, some of them are very different than us. They think different than us. They look different than us. Um, they're just different. Now, you might look at me and judge me a little bit, but let's be honest. Don't all of us have some weirdos in our families? <laughs> Honestly. And I've said to you before, if, if you don't have any weirdos in your family, it means you're the weirdo in your family. <laughs> we all do. We all have people that we go, if I wasn't related to this person, I don't know if we'd spend time together. Right? <laughs> So we're gonna go and we're gonna hang out and we're gonna see, I don't know, 100, 150 people and we're gonna be hanging out for a few days and people from all over the country, people that, that are all different political backgrounds and persuasions and convictions, people have different faiths, people that have different ideas, all this difference, we're gonna come together and what's bringing us together is we share blood, that we all have a common lineage. It all comes back to Melvin and Alice Massingale, my grandparents, that we're all related to them, and that's what brings us together. So family of birth is blood and name. Um, and again, you don't get any choice on this. They're the family you're stuck with, for good or for bad. Then you've got family of choice, and family of choice uh, is united by shared affections and, and, and shared experiences. So your family of birth is the people you go to family reunions with. Family of choice, this is gonna be uh, something more akin to, does anybody remember, do you guys remember football in the United States? They used to have professional football, okay, yeah. So downtown Pittsburgh, Heinz Field, they've got a field where they used to play a team called the Steelers, some of you remember. So you, you go watch the Steelers play, and some people would get there hours before the game and tailgate outside, right? And they'd get out there and they'd be cooking brats and hamburgers and hot dogs and steaks and all kinds of different stuff. And they might have an adult beverage or two. Most people don't, but a few do. <laughs> Some of those people can't even make it into the, into the Heinz Field. Like they're, you gotta aim them in there because they're like pulling to the right when they're walking. Like, no, 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 straighten it out, buddy. But here's the thing, they're tailgating, they're doing their thing, and if you're wearing a Steelers jersey and you're walking in, they're gonna be like, yeah, go Steelers, you want a hot dog? And you don't wanna be rude, so you're like, sure, I'll take a hot dog. What, what is that, a brat? I'll take a brat too, and I mean, I would be wrong if I didn't take a hamburger, yeah, put a hamburger on there, right? You don't even know these people, and they're sharing their food, they're sharing drinks, they're, they're hanging out, why? Because you have a common affection. You both love the Steelers. They don't know anything about you. They don't even care. They just know you're wearing a Steelers jersey. So you must love what they love. And then you go into the field and you're, you're standing in your seat, whether you're in the 100s or the 500s, it doesn't make any difference. You're standing there, you're cheering, the team wins and people are going crazy. And you see bearded, big, burly men who get teary-eyed and high-fiving people they don't know. Yeah, jumping up and down when something happens. Why? Because they're sharing this experience they're sharing something they love and it's bringing them together. They could have watched the game from their house, but they would have missed the experience, right? And so what's happening is they're brought together by this shared experience, by this shared affection. This is family of choice and both of these things are important in the house of God. Uh, in the book of Ephesians, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus 
They're struggling because they've got a group of Jewish people who they were raised uh, in the Jewish culture with Jewish customs and all the things that come along with that. And they're converts to Jesus. They believe he's the Messiah. And then there's a group of people that are Gentiles. They don't have all the baggage of of Judaism and they've come to faith in Christ. And so there's this conflict in the church over how they should worship. One group is saying, well, you gotta do this, 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 and this in order to worship. And the other side is going, no, that's legalistic. We shouldn't have to do all those things in order to worship. It should be simple. We should do it this way. And I'm so glad that in today's church, there are no longer any arguments over how we should worship. We all agree perfectly and there's no problems anymore. (laughs) Right? It's comforting to me to know that Paul dealt with this thousands of years ago. And so he just basically cuts to it and goes, what are we fighting over this for? Does it really matter? He's trying to help them. And so he, he gets to this because it, it, it was originally it was a worship issue, but then it became more of an, a cultural issue where they were going, well, you Jews, well, you Gentiles, and it became more about their identity. And so Paul speaks in verse 11, and he says, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hand. So let me stop there. What he says is, hey, they're discriminating against Gentiles because they're not circumcised. But, but I want you guys to hear this. This is what he's saying. He said, you can, anybody can be circumcised. God doesn't have to do that. Man can do that. So why are we taking such pride in that? That's what he's basically saying. Verse 12 says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So what he says is to the Gentiles, he says, hey, Gentiles, don't forget, at one time you were separated from God. And he uses this language that Roman, Roman uh, citizens would understand because Romans were very proud of their citizenship. They believed that Rome was the greatest nation the world would ever know. And they were proud in their citizenship. And even Paul was a Roman citizen. So he's calling them out. And he says, uh, remember that at that time you were separated from Christ. And he uses this word, alienated from the commonwealth. And so he's saying to them, you are alienated from the commonwealth. You were a stranger. What he's saying is you were homeless. You didn't have your own people. You didn't have your own nation. And he says, you were homeless, essentially. And this is, this is language that would have resonated with them. They would have understood it because they took such pride in their Roman heritage. He said, so you were homeless. You had nowhere. You were like a ship without a port. You were just wandering. And then verse 13, I love this. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. In the age of social distancing, we like to keep people at distance sometimes. So even when people are coming in, I'll ask, hey, are you shaking hands? Yeah, I'm shaking hands. And they'll pull me in and hug me. I'm like, all right, let's go. Hug it out, right? But some people are like, nah, we're gonna wait. All right, no problem. But we need a little distance for some people. Sometimes we do that for us. Sometimes we do that for them. Um, I don't know about you. I never knew how bad my breath was until I had to wear a mask all the time. <laughs> Did you notice that? You really pay attention. You're like, man, somebody's breath stinks. And you're like, oh my gosh, it's my breath. My breath stinks. I gotta give myself a break and get, put a mint in before I put my mask on, right? Sometimes we don't want people nearby because our breath stinks. Ladies, have you ever thought, oh, I'm just gonna run out for a second. I'm not gonna see anybody I know, so I'm not gonna put on any makeup. And then you see 20 people you know and you're pulling your hat down a little lower. You're hoping they don't notice you. You wanna keep some distance from them, right? You don't want them to get too close. Because this is the thing, when we get too close, we see people for who they really are. 
I tell pastors this, and some of you I might have told this to as well, uh, because some of you drive a long distance to come to church here. And I've told people, proximity breeds, uh, brings intimacy. So proximity brings intimacy. The closer you are physically with someone, the more likely you are to, to have intimacy or closeness with them, to really know them. And this is challenging for us sometimes. Uh, sometimes we don't like that because we don't like to be close to people. Sometimes we don't want them to be close because we don't want them to see who we really are, how we really think, what we struggle with. We upgraded these super duper HD cameras, which are awesome, but now you can see everything. <laughs> Every nook and cranny, and I've realized how old I really look whenever I look at the HD cameras. It's like, let's go back to the ones that made me look fuzzier. I like those better. But why, there's, there's nowhere to hide. You see everything. And, and, and this is the thing. We are uncomfortable with that because proximity brings intimacy because proximity requires vulnerability. In order to be close with people, we've gotta be real with them. We've gotta be vulnerable with them. We've gotta be willing for them to see how we really are and what our faults are and what our shortcomings are. And sometimes we don't wanna do that and as a result, we keep people at a distance. But what we see here is so beautiful. Paul says to the Ephesian church, but now in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, you who were once alienated, you who were once homeless have been brought near by the blood of Christ. With my girls, they're 14 and 17, soon to be 15 and 18. I mean, they're women at this point. And it's funny how often we'll talk and We'll have a conversation about something and maybe I'm encouraging them or maybe I'm correcting them or whatever it is. And if they're maybe having a bad day, hard time, whatever it is, I can have a conversation. If we're sitting in our living room, uh, we've got this sectional where I, I have my seat. You know, you've got your seat and I've got my seat. And if they're sitting in different parts of the room, we can have a conversation. And a lot of times at the end of the conversation, if it's, if it's this kind of conversation, I'll go, come here. And they'll come over. Just the other night, I had a conversation with Abby, and I said, come here, after the end of the conversation. And she knew what I wanted, but she still sat like a seat away from me, like a little bit of distance. No, 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 scooch over here. She scooted right next to me. She just put her head right here, and I just hold her close. She could feel my face on her head, and I just said, I love you so much. I'm crazy about you. I'm proud of you. I'm so glad you're my daughter. And that's something I could have told her from across the room. She could have sat in that other seat and I could have said, baby, I'm, I'm crazy about you. I love you. I'm so glad you're my daughter. But it was different bringing her near. It communicated something different having her right there. Sometimes I'll make them sit in my lap and they're like, dad, come on. I'll get them in my lap and hold them close. But that closeness communicates something different. And what we see here is Jesus Christ says, no, 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 I wanna bring you near through my blood. My blood is what pays the price to bring you who were once far off, you who were once alienated, you who were once strangers close. Christ doesn't care what you look like without makeup on. Christ doesn't care how bad your breath is, metaphorically speaking. He is bringing you near because he loves you anyway. I love that. 20, uh, Ephesians 2, 14 says, for he himself is our peace, who has made both of us one, so both groups, Jew and Gentile, one, and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility. We'll circle back to that idea in just a moment. By abolishing, so he, he breaks down the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace. So it doesn't say that he abolishes the law, but it says that he abolishes the law that's fulfilled in the ordinances. So what it means is um, 
Paul's speaking to the church, and there's a group, the Jews, who say, we're made righteous through these acts, these, these ordinances that we fulfill. And so there are, there are, there's moral law, and then there is ceremonial law. And so they would perform different things that would make them righteous through ceremonial law. And what Paul is saying is, hey, Jesus came to abolish that. All those rules and regulations that you think make you righteous now are just superfluous. They're, they've been done away with. So now the Jew and Gentile are on equal footing. The Jews were saying, you need to do this, 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 and this in order to be acceptable to God. And what Paul is saying is, no, 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 because of what Jesus did, the price he paid, the blood that he shed on the cross, now both Jew and Gentile are on equal footing. There is nothing we do to make ourselves righteous. So now he's saying, because of what Jesus did, you are one. There is no difference between you because of the, the, the uh, rituals that you perform and the things you do. He goes on to say in verse 16, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. So he says the one Jesus is the one who reconciles us to God, thereby killing the hostility. So what he says is there shouldn't be, the blood of Jesus should kill hostility in the family of God. In the family of God, there shouldn't be hostility between the people. There shouldn't be backbiting. There shouldn't be gossip. There shouldn't be subversive conversations. It should be love between the body of Christ. Because this is what I'll tell you, the family reunion I'm going to, there's a whole bunch of people who think differently than I do. But do you know what we do? We love each other anyway. <laughs> let, me, let me make this even simpler. I got four people that live in my house. Very rarely do we agree on anything. <laughs> what are we doing for dinner? I want, I want, I want. There's usually four answers when it comes to that. If, if four people who all love Jesus can't agree on dinner, are we gonna get 1,500 people who come to church here to agree about anything? No! Do you know what we don't do, though? We don't go, I don't even know if you can be my daughter if you don't wanna eat where I wanna eat. I'm not even sure I can live in the same house as you. No! What we do is we go, all right. I'm still gonna love you because I'm committed to you because you're my daughter. I'm still gonna love you because you're my wife. But what we do so many times is we go, well, I can't go to a church with somebody who thinks that way. What do we do? We abandon our family because we get mad about something that we should have even been mad about. <laughs> Christ kills the hostility. That's what he wants to do in us. In Galatians chapter three, Paul's addressing this with the Galatian church and he says it this way. He says, there's neither Greek nor Jew. There's neither uh, male nor female, there's neither slave nor free, for all are one in Christ Jesus. And so what he does, he, he says this to us. He says, um, whatever way you've been identifying yourself before is wrong. So uh, you might be a little offended by this, but I'm just gonna say it this way. If he was talking to, to me today, he would say to me, Mel, um, I want you to understand there's neither American nor immigrant, there's neither black nor white, there's neither Democrat nor Republican, there's neither male nor female. Any way we identify ourselves that is supreme than our identity in Christ Jesus is wrong and it will get us into trouble. And so what Paul is telling the Galatian church and what he's trying to help the Ephesian church understand is, is we identify ourselves first and foremost, primarily as a child of God. That is my first identity more than anything else. And if I will understand that my identity is primarily in Christ Jesus, then everything else is secondary. And it makes it so much easier for me to love people who are different than me because I say it doesn't matter if you voted for the other person. It doesn't matter if you're a different gender or ethnicity or come from a different social class because in Christ Jesus, he has destroyed the wall of hostility 
through the cross, and through his blood, we are one. But yeah, we don't like that. We struggle with that. See, when we talk about killing the hostility, we're not just killing the hostility between Jew and Gentile. I think Christ wanted to kill the hostility between Democrats and Republicans, between black and white, between male and female. He, he wants to kill hostility between people who like traditional music in church and non-traditional music in church. He wants to kill the hostility between Methodist and Presbyterian and Baptist and Lutheran and non-denominational because at the end of the day, I've got bad news for you. If you're coming here because you think we're gonna sit in a good section of heaven, they don't have it broken down by sections. There's not a Baptist section in the back and a Presbyterian. There is one bride of Christ. There aren't many brides of Christ. So what we have to understand is we are one, so we should love each other that way. In this body, we are one, and we're gonna love each other that way. We're not always gonna agree. Like I said, I don't even agree with my family all the time. That doesn't mean I stop loving them. It doesn't mean I'm not committed to them. It means we're gonna love each other in spite of our differences. And that's what Paul's encouraging in the Ephesian church because it's not just something we consume. It's not just a restaurant where we get bad service and we leave. This is our family. These are people we're committed to that we're gonna walk through life together with. Verse 17, it says, and he, talking about Jesus, came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. So he preached the same thing to Jews and Gentiles. Peace, for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Now listen to verse 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens. He says, you were once strangers and aliens, but he says, now, because of Jesus, you are no longer strangers and aliens but you are fellow citizens with saints and members of the household of God. Spiritually, we were once homeless. We had no place to belong, no place to find rest, no place to find comfort, no place to be accepted. And he says, in Christ Jesus, now we have a home. We have a place where we can be accepted and loved and cared for and supported. See, I said earlier, families are diverse. I told you what brings us together our shared experiences, shared affections, blood and name. We come in here together, we worship together. We have the shared experience together where we feel God moving in our lives. We see God working in our lives. We have the shared affection where if you're here, there's a pretty good chance you, you, there's a desire in your heart to pursue God. So we have the shared affections, shared experiences. We have a shared name. Scripture tells us the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. It's the name that unites us all together above any other name. It's the name of Jesus. We share that name. And more than anything else, we share the blood. It is the blood of Jesus that he shed on the cross that allows the, the hostility between people, between husbands and wives, between individuals, between groups of people to be broken down, to be shattered because we understand that we are one in Christ Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus. Scripture tells us that we are not our own, that we were bought with a price, and we were bought with blood. The blood of Jesus is what pays the price for our sins. It's the blood of Jesus that unites us together. It's the name of Jesus that brings us together. In spite of our differences, in spite of our, our, our convictions on certain things, it is the blood of Jesus that unites us as one. It's the blood of Jesus that makes us family. There are some weirdos in our family. 
There's some people that are different in our family, but you know what? We love our family because of what we have in common, what brings us together in spite of our differences. I want you to discover family. I want you to experience that. And maybe you've never have because you've never surrendered your life to Christ. I want you to know something. You can experience intimacy and love like never before when you simply surrender your heart to him. We wanna help you do that. Maybe you're here today and you're a believer, but you've never really found your place. You've never really found your family. I want you to know if you're looking for a family of choice, a family that you can connect with, I believe you found a great place. And we wanna help you with that as well. So if you would, I would like you to bow your head and close your eyes all over this room. God, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for giving Jesus, not just to to save us from hell or to let us get into heaven, but God, thank you that Jesus in his sacrifice broke down the wall of hostility between us and others. So those that are different than us, those who think differently than us, those who have different persuasions than us on different ideas, God, I pray that we would see what Jesus has done and we would accept his finished work as enough for us. Lord, help us love those around us in spite of our differences. So God, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. God, you'd help us to lay down any identity other than our preeminent identity as children of God. God, I pray for those that are here that have never surrendered their lives to you. Let today be the day they would experience you. They would see your goodness and your mercy and your love. And Lord, I pray those that were once far off through the blood of Christ will be brought near. Let them experience the intimacy of knowing you. God, I thank you that you're not a far off God. You are an intimate, close God. Help us to experience that today. Lord, those that are maybe nervous about surrendering their life to you, let them see how good it is, how beautiful you are. So God, have your way. Lord, minister in those that feel isolated and lonely. They feel like that one who has no family. God, I pray that they would find family here in this this house, in your home. So God, I, I pray, minister in us today. Now with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you'd say to me, Mel, I need to know closeness with God. I need to know what it's like to be accepted and adopted into the family of God. And I wanna make Jesus Lord of my life today. I just wanna surrender everything to him. I'm not gonna embarrass you or make you come forward. I just wanna pray with you where you're at. So if you're here and you'd say, Mel, that's me, pray for me. I wanna be included in that prayer. Would you be bold enough just to slip your hand up real high where I could see it? And you can put it right back down. If you'd say to me, Mel, pray for me today. I wanna make Jesus Lord of my life. I wanna accept him. All right. If you're watching online, you'd say to me today, Mel, today's my day. I wanna make Jesus Lord. Our hosts are watching with you right now. They're gonna tell you what you need to do and what steps you need to take. I would love for you to do that. And so I'm gonna pray a prayer. I'm gonna ask everyone in this room and I'm gonna ask everyone online to pray this prayer with me and repeat this with me out loud. Everybody in the room. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me and thank you for giving your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sins on the cross. From this day forward, I am part of your family. Thank you for accepting me and loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we give God a round of applause today? I want you to know if you prayed that prayer with us today and you meant it, whether you raised your hand or not, your new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. 
So if you're watching online or here in the room, either one, you can simply text the word different to number 94,000, And we're gonna respond back to you and we're gonna help you take the next step in your faith journey. If you're watching online from somewhere throughout the United States or even the world, we're gonna help you find a life-giving church in your area to connect with. If you're here in the room and you'd rather not text that, you can feel free to take the card out of the seat back in front of you that says salvation, fill that out and drop it off at one of the tables as you're leaving today outside the main doors or outside the, these doors. They're gonna give you a gift and uh, it's a Bible and they're gonna help you take the next step. So thank you so much for worshiping with us today. I, guys, I'm so glad to see you here in person. I can't wait to see what God's going to do in this new season. So thank you for worshiping with us today. Guys, I love you more than you know. I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you. Have a wonderful